Hey, welcome back. This will be a little bit of a short episode, hopefully. Probably not. Um, So today I was just going to talk to you guys about what I found as the world's first and only coffee substitute that you can grow on a homestead. Okay, so disclaimer, not every single person in America will be able to grow this on their homestead because it's zone 9 through 7. But I think you can easily do a six because the Cherokees were growing this in the mountains before they got moved on the whole Trail of Tears thing. So it got pretty cold up there. Um, But it was transplanted. So, So let me, let's just get it out there. So let me tell you what I found. The other day I was looking, I always look up plants. I do a lot of like outdoor work and so every time I see a plant... No matter what it is, I look up its uses. So, I was looking up the other day. I found a run across a holly. But it was a yopon holly. And I said to myself, I said, huh, I don't think I've ever looked that up. Because I didn't, you know, I don't know a lot about yopon holly. So, I looked it up. This thing has an equivalent caffeine content in the leaves to coffee by weight. So, you're talking... If you've got a, a pound of coffee or a pound of yopon leaves, you've got basically an equal amount of caffeine. And this is a heck of a lot easier to deal with because caf- coffee um, retains some of its moisture, right? And so coffee has a significantly increased chance of mold. And like the Bulletproof Coffee, the guy that sells that gimmick, His only thing that he actually offers is that his coffee is mold-free because most of the coffees out there are are moldy, have mold spores in them. You know, not a ton, but they have mold in them. And if you're allergic to mold, consuming mold actually is pretty bad for you. So what I did is before I started this episode, I took a couple weeks, and I've been almost two weeks now off of coffee, right? So this is crazy. I, I'll tell you about my pre-Yopon experience. Before Yopon, I started coffee when I was at a special school in the military, and I could not sleep. Like, if you fall asleep in class, you get really jacked up. And if you, um, if you have trouble sleeping at night because of all the stress then you end up getting like zero hours of sleep and then you're trying not to fall asleep during class because that's the first time you shut your mind off and just listen, you know. And so I was really in trouble and so I started coffee. I started drinking black, strong coffee and I was drinking it for survival, not for just fun. And just so you guys know, I've got me a little pot of Yopon tea right here. So I'm going to be drinking it during this episode to give you guys the full experience. But anyways, so I, uh, I got hooked on coffee. And I got to the point where if I went a day without coffee, I would have severe headaches. Like all day long headaches. And I mean up till two weeks ago, I was that way. I had headaches every time I missed my coffee. And uh, it didn't happen very often, but occasionally it did. So that was a bad deal. So now what the deal is is that... In the mornings, I drink my Yopon tea instead of coffee. 
and I've had zero headaches. I actually feel better. I don't get the the shakes like I used to from coffee because I would drink the coffee too fast, and then I would have get the shakes, and then I would get the crash after, right? Well, the crash is gone. The shakes are gone. All that is gone, and no, the headaches are gone. I've never had any headaches on Yopon from this deal, so... Um, so let's break it down. What is a Yopon holly? So hollies are actually like a decorative, like perennial plant that people, it's supposed to be a small tree, like an understory tree, but it has been developed for, um, like landscaping use for decorative use. Ornamental is what they call it. Ornamental use. So it's an ornamental that once you become good at identifying it, you guys will nail it. Right now it's springtime, so all of them have, all the females have red berries, little red berries that the birds just eat up, but the, you know, you and I can't eat, but um, they have red berries. The leaf looks like, (coughs) if you hold your hand up, um, it looks like your hand with all your fingers together. That's what the leaf looks like. It's like razored, it's got the... um, the points on them but they all point up and they're not sharp they're nice round like fingertip looking points like a hand with all the fingers put together standing straight up like you're taking an oath of office or something like that and so and it's got gray bark the kind of camouflagey looking gray bark with very few um very few of those uh like very few ridges it's like really smooth bark anyways um so that's a how we identify it it's got green leaves that are almost a little bit green yellow but they're typically pretty small they're between uh they're probably an inch or less in most cases but so anyways so they are everywhere i live in um actually in the zones that it can be planted that it can grow native in but it's typically coastal so to find this in the wild you're gonna have to get pretty lucky it i mean you have to either live in texas or florida or georgia you know somewhere like that so you're not gonna find it in the wild in most cases but if you just walk through any city neighborhood that has like decent landscaping you will find one at every like fourth house so that is something awesome to consider the fact that this thing is everywhere and um, you can grow it from seeds it's a little bit slow growing or you can grow it from cuttings now the way to do some cuttings is just knock on somebody's door and just say hey do you mind your your bush looks a little overgrown and I want to grow one of those and it would be perfect if you would just let me trim it up some and take the cuttings and not everybody will be into that but just be like hey listen i want to grow one of those could i take a few cuttings and you can be out here and show me where to cut it you know to make sure i don't you know cut it at the wrong place but i just need a few cuttings because i'd like to start a few of these or if you have a buddy i mean next time you go to your friend's house that does land you know that has landscaping done chances are you know somebody with one and they need to be thinned out usually anyways so just get after it, man. Get some cuttings. And so, just like any tree, you just take the cuttings. You um, put in some rooting hormone or some honey 
you don't have to, but it gives it a higher success rate. Um, you take like a pencil size cutting, right? Look just like a pencil. You shave one end um, a tiny bit and you stick it about halfway into the soil, like half of it under in the soil, right? So that it gets a good deep root structure so that there's actual nodules under the soil. So then uh, you start it. Berries is very similar to any the, the starting any type of berry from seed. It's a little bit hard, but you just take a bunch of the berries, smush them, and get the seeds, and then you put them in a wet paper towel, let them soak for a couple days in a wet paper towel, and then you, sh you just put them in the soil. And you keep it moist but not wet, and don't ever let them dry out until, you know, they're pretty well established. But it'll take a few years that way. But you can get them for free. If you can get them for free, if you can start 40 or 50 of these things and get them going, and you can build a hedgerow out of them. So now let's talk about the varieties. Um, well, actually, you know what? Let's go back. Some of you guys won't ever plant these, but you're wanting to forage them right in your local landscape because nobody, during a collapse, nobody is going to forage this stuff. But keep in mind, people are going to be looking for firewood, and they'll probably cut these down pretty early on because they look like kind of woody. So do keep that in mind. But the way you forage these things, or the way you make the tea, you take the leaves off. You can either cut a branch and roast the branch, or you can cut a branch and take the leaves off. We take the leaves off because we have a sun oven, and we're trying to cook them. You have to roast them to get, the, to get rid of the bitter flavor and to make it uh, just really delicious you want to roast it so what we do is we cut the branch off cut off a few branches while we're doing pruning or whatever we pull the leaves off and we put them on a flat cookie sheet in the sun oven and you let them go for at least 30 minutes at if your sun oven gets up to 300 degrees my, that's where mine runs during a, a decent day it'll run around 300 degrees so give it at least 30 minutes. You want them to be like a brown to a dark brown finish when they're done cooking, right? And so you leave them in there, and in the sun oven, you really can't burn them. So leave them in there as long as you want. I left it in there a couple hours last time, and it seemed to do pretty good. Pull them out. They'll be crispy. Like you, anytime you try to fold them, they'll just snap in half, right? You take these, and you crush them up. And I crush mine up by hand, but the more you crush them, the higher your caffeine content is going to be in your tea and the blacker it's going to be. But there's no bitterness to it. So after you've got that done, you take them, you take the crushed leaves and if you use a pestle and mortar, whatever that thing, you know, you guys are scientists, you know what I'm talking about, and grind it up, the finer you grind it, the better it'll be. And I like, I like mine to be hand crushed pretty good so far I haven't ever gotten a mortar and pestle to try it uh, but when I get one I'll try it finer but they say grind it up as fine as you can um, if you've got a spare coffee grinder like you use for all your peppers and stuff to make your peppery powders then I, you might not use that because I don't know how good that would be to have it super spicy like that but um, if you got a separate one for it, it might be worth it because those things are like eight bucks on Amazon, a coffee grinder. Anyways, so grind it up, take the powder, and what I do, I have these tea balls 
and they are worthless, man. The um, the amount of leaf that gets into your tea through those tea balls is ridiculous. You might as well not even have tea balls because they are just so terrible. They let so many leaves out. So what I do is I take an old, not an old, but a coffee filter from my previous life of being a coffee drinker, and I pour about half a tablespoon of crushed leaves in a coffee filter. I fold it up so that none of them will get out. And I put a paper, uh, not a paper clip, a clothespin on it. And I just drop that into my coffee cup, my big giant coffee cup. It's like a 20, it's probably 30 ounces, somewhere around 30 ounces. I drop that in there and then I take my tea kettle and I pour hot water over the top of it and I let it steep. And the longer you let it steep, the better it gets. So I've started, at first I would steep it for like, you know, 10 minutes while I was just kind of sipping on it. And it starts out like green tea, like a yellow, real beautiful um, green tea. And it works its way to like as dark as coffee. So that's what I like to do. I like to work it. I like to leave now. I don't take it out after 10 minutes. I leave the packet in there actually all day long and I keep drinking that all day long I keep drinking that same tea and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and now I have a sleeping condition where I can't have caffeine after two so I try to just chug it at two o'clock and be done with it that way it'll be out of my system by the time I try to go to bed but I mix it in there and I've had zero caffeine withdrawals Um, it's not nearly as acidic. I'm, I haven't tested it, but it's not nearly as acidic as coffee. You can just tell when you're drinking it that it's not coffee. It's it's a dark tea. And no bitterness. You know, you, a lot of times we have these like um, medicinal or alternative locally raised stuff that we use for teas and coffees and stuff, and they're just terrible. You know, they're just like nowhere near as good, you know, it's like a sugar substitute, it's like, man, this is not sugar, I can tell you this is not, it's the same way with teas usually, but this is different, this, you absolutely cannot tell, is not regular old tea, and so, that's how I do it, Um, I leave her in there, and then I just throw out the tea bag when I'm done at the end of the day, and in the next morning, I just start all over again, and I have about six clothespins in my truck right now, my work truck, because I finish my tea about two o'clock, I throw the bag away, and I keep that clothespin, and I leave it sitting in my truck, instead of putting it back in my cup, and taking it inside with my cup, but anyways, that's just a funny side note, that's why I've got all these daggum paper clips in my truck now, or clothespins, but so, this stuff is, I'm telling you guys, you really got to start trying it, but here's the problem, it is like eight bucks an ounce to buy this stuff online. So if you guys are looking for a side hustle, you might be onto something with this thing because it's delicious. And the reason they stopped using it in the South is because after the Civil War, there was a lot of discrimination against the South and kind of treating them as rednecks and stuff. Even though the South was highly, highly educated before the Civil War, more educated than the North by like you know, three times more educated than the North as far as college degrees or whatever, which mattered back then. You know, they actually meant something. But anyways, 
So they started bashing the South, and like everything that was Southern was kind of seen as redneck or hillbilly or like unsophisticated. And so it kind of just fell out of popularity because of that. But before that, it you know, since white people hit America, this stuff has been popular as a morning pick me up. So definitely start growing it. But let's talk about the varieties real quick. So it's it's a native, very, very hardy plant. You cannot kill this thing. Um, I think it prefers slightly acidic soil, but honestly, it works in sand, it works in clay. I've never seen one of these things dead anywhere I go. So that's one thing to think about. I mean, they just last. Anytime you're using the native, they're designed to survive the native conditions, right? And so you know that they're drought resistant, they're waterlog resistant. Now you can't put it right on the side of a pond because it does have a little bit of an issue with water. Everything has a little issue with root rot unless it's an aquatic plant. So give it a little bit of birth from a pond if you can. But other than that, this thing survive anything. Varieties. So there's like seven varieties of Yopon. And what you want to look for is there's five varieties that are not, four varieties that are not caffeinated. That's, um, that's not good. That's not good. We don't want to waste our money and end up getting non-caffeinated varieties. So that's something to consider. But the big three is the little bush one with the fingers. You got to see them fingers on there. Um, Alex Vomitorium is the name so you're looking for that vomitorium if you go to the if you go to the plant store to buy these that's what you're wanting to find is one that says vomitorium on it because that will be the kind that has the caffeine in it so if it's the tree version you know you're good all the tree versions are high caffeine the highest caffeine content is the weeping version but the weeping version only comes in female so you might want to get some weeping and some non-weeping because I don't think it's a huge difference in caffeine content. I've got leaves from both weeping and non-weeping, and they both worked just fine. So I'm, I'm not testing them for caffeine content, so I can't testify to that exactly. But I can tell you that as a caffeine addict, the non-weeping works just, just as good. Not better, but pretty good. I mean, not not a noticeable difference is what I'm getting at. So get you a weeping, get you a non-weeping tree version. There is one bush version that is caffeinated, and I just don't know a good way to describe it over a podcast for you to make it to where you can find this stuff. So do your best. Just find what you can, and... Um, just get the tree versions. Let's not waste our time. Let's get the tree versions. We'll put them in our orchard. We'll put them on our fence lines. These, this is one of those things that, like, if you live out in a wooded area where people aren't just going to be, like, desperate for firewood and cutting every single tree down in the within 100 miles, these would be perfect for you because you can plant them anywhere, and they're not. nobody's even going to notice them. Nobody's going to know what they are. Nobody's going to notice them. They're not going to stand out in any way. And so you could plant a hundred of these things and be the caffeine provider for the collapse. 
Now, we've looked at a lot of different options for post-collapse businesses, and this one I really think is one that will really hit, right? If people are struggling with caffeine addictions or coffee addictions or alcohol even, I mean, alcoholics, a lot of alcoholics who get off of alcohol will turn to caffeine as a substitute for their alcohol addiction. So this is a heck of a lot easier than building a still. Now, if you want to build a still, it's probably still not a bad idea. But anyways, that's just, it's just a, it's going to be a huge thing when it goes down. If there ever is some sort of economic collapse or something like that, where we don't start, we don't bring in coffee anymore from other countries because the dollar's not worth it or the price is too high for coffee or whatever. This will be an excellent barter item. So I'm looking to plant 50 or 100 of these things and just over the next, you know, decade. I want to plant like five or ten a year and just have my property completely lined in them so that I will never run out. I'll never have to buy coffee again and I'll just be set. So um, that's it for you guys. Uh, if you have any questions, I'm sure there's stuff I didn't cover. Let's go over it real quick. Oh, oh, sun and shade. Either. Doesn't matter. It's an understory tree, right? So, the way understories work is they typically grow under older trees. And as the older tree dies, these understories take over and fill that hole. But they do just fine in the shade. I mean, they'll do just fine in, like, a pretty shaded area. Now... If you're in like zone five or something crazy like that, you're gonna need to put these against a wall and give them tons of sun and keep them on the south facing wall. But I think you could still do it. I think they would do just fine. But you might have to order them in from out of state, you know? So that's something to consider. You're probably not gonna be able to find them local. But you guys that are out there, if you find them in like, um, you know, a zone five or a zone six A area. Let me know. I would like to. I would like to see if these are used in landscaping up farther north. So, anyways, I really appreciate you guys listening. I know this is not the world's most trimmed up podcast, but um, yeah, I just I just like getting the info out there, and that's what matters is getting you guys the info. All right, we'll talk to you later.